Hi there and welcome everyone to the Pen Blockchain Club podcast, a show where we speak with the leaders in the blockchain industry. I'm your host Vivek Chauhan and today we will be joined by Michael Tay to discuss how Broadridge Financial Solutions, one of the leading financial technology company in the world, is using blockchain. Michael is the head of strategy and M&A at Broadridge and leads strategy, acquisitions, partnerships and other growth related activities. He began his career at McKinsey where he provided consulting services to the financial services industry before moving to Merrill Lynch where he was the vice president of their financial institutions group. In 2009 at the height of the financial crisis he moved to Washington DC where he worked in the US Department of Treasury's office of financial stability as director of investments and senior policy advisor. Most recently he was the senior executive vice president of worldwide services for microstrategy. Broadridge Financial Broadridge Financial Solutions a 4 billion global fintech leader provides investors communications and technology driven solutions for broker dealers banks mutual funds and corporate issuers globally with over 50 years of experience broadridge's infrastructure underpins proxy voting services for over 90% of public companies and mutual funds in north america and processes more than 5 trillion dollars in fixed income and equity trades per day broadridge is a part of hyperledger project minority investor in the blockchain startup digital assets holding and has received awards for its blockchain initiatives This podcast is brought to you by Pen Blockchain Club, UPenY Student Association, with more than 630 members that facilitates conversations between blockchain enterprises, students, and academics. To learn more, visit us at penblockchainclub.com. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We are really excited to speak to you and learn uh, from your knowledge and experience in this space. Um, you have had an incredible breadth of career across consulting, financial services, policy. analytics and now fintech uh, we would love to learn more about what excites you most about your current role and broadridge in general great um it's really it's really good to be here vivek thank you so much for having me so as you as you look back at my career one of the constant one of the consistent threads has been whether as a consultant as a banker or in the financial crisis was really thinking through issues related to financial services whether i was consulting or or doing capital raises or m&a advisory um for entities for financial services entities themselves or within within the government where we were thinking through systemically um significant institutions and um whether or not providing financial services uh financial assistance would impact um the the system and uh and um and so that that's that's has been a consistent thread throughout my background and um I've been very very excited and fortunate to have been able to um had that that common experience throughout my career and so thinking about um being here at Broadridge is is really really exciting for me it's exciting because what Broadridge does where we sort of sit at the center of the financial ecosystem whether it's on with whether it's banks and broker dealers um issuers uh mutual funds investment funds asset managers as well as wealth managers and where we sit um at the center of that network uh it's it's really it's a really exciting time to be here uh, particularly because as a financial technology company and the role that we play and the ability to take 
technology and innovative technologies, disruptive technologies, uh, whether it's AI, it's blockchain, it's cloud or digital, and using that as a way to solve problems on behalf of our clients. Um, it's, it's, it's a really cool platform. It's a really great position to be in. Um, and first and foremost, it is about solving problems on behalf of our clients, but it's also investing in these technologies as a way to be solving problems for our clients and uh, being in the space where there's a lot of transformation. There's a ton of change. There are a lot mm -hmm. of things that are happening. And if you think about um, the, the history of financial services, certainly over the past 10, 15, 20, 30 years, um, you, you certainly see a lot of um, transformation, but the rate of change and the quantum of change um, that has been precipitated as a result of technology has been tremendous. And um, and so if I asked you about blockchain, if, if I asked a financial services company about blockchain four years ago, people wouldn't know, right? But if today, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. So um, I'm really excited to be here. Um, it's really exciting to be in the role of strategy where I'm looking at, um, at looking and thinking about growth opportunities um, on behalf of the company and and technology as a big part of that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really fascinating. Um, I'm curious to know how were you first acquainted with blockchain? Sure. So maybe I could talk a little bit about the role. So I run strategy, and part of part of my role is to understand the industry as I just discussed, but also think about growth opportunities for the company. And when you think about our, the capabilities that Broadridge has, and it's really around, like I said, there's three things. One, which is around sort of the governance and communications business. And so just to get into that a little bit, if you think about sort of proxy communications, if you're a shareholder and um, you wanna participate as a voter, um, in in your um, in in your sh as part of your shareholder rights, um, you know we we distribute proxy um, notifications. We also pr provide um, other sort of information, whether it's annual reports, it's prospectuses, um, the information that you would you would be required that you would want to have to really uh, be able to be an informed investor. So that's one part of our business is around um, helping governance. Uh, corporate governance um, be more effective and how we and and we sort of play a part in that so that's that's one component the second is in capital markets and thinking about sort of the post-trade capital market space uh, we we're a b2b company and so we we help um, buy side firms sell side firms wealth managers um, so those types of institutions in their back office as well as middle office as well as front frankly um, and we help them sort of think through and help provide services to um, for them to to c conduct their businesses. And so that's that's our capital markets business. And um, and I mentioned wealth because wealth is kind of our next. It's our third franchise and it's a third business that we really want to start investing in. Again, this is our technology platform that we want to bring to the market. And so when I talk about those three components, whether it's governance and communications, whether it's capital markets or wealth, and you think about sort of what's happening in each of those spaces, really technology is driving change in there. And so that was a long wind up for my role, but my role is thinking through 
not only the opportunities, but also how technology can enable, can enable growth and can en enable change. And so that's, that is how we came across blockchain, which is clearly, you know, you think about transformative technologies that really could impact the way in which financial services is conducted and how the activities are governed. Um, blockchain is clearly something that is, that'll be um, a big part of how business could be conducted in the future. And so that's, that's, that's a strategic component of, of Broadridge and what we're trying to accomplish. And that's, that's how I got into the space. That's awesome. And actually that ties um, very well with uh, the piece on Forbes uh, written by the Broadridge CEO saying blockchain's potential is like that of the internet in the 90s. Um, uh -huh. And he also outlined a cool acronym and I, I can't get it off my head. He said it's Broadridge's vision is around A, B, C, D, AI, blockchain, cloud, and digital. Um, so that's an amazing way to put like some key technologies. Um, could you talk about what future applications you are most excited about and what challenges do you face as you go about approaching them? Definitely. So why don't I just talk really quickly about the ABCDs? And that is definitely something that really encompasses how we view innovation. And that is artificial intelligence is the A, B is blockchain, C is cloud, and D is digital. And so we as a service provider to the financial services industry, um, our goal is we have a commitment to drive innovation and innovation roadmaps and developing solutions for our clients. And it's not only for today's challenges, but also capitalizing on opportunities in the future. And, you know, the industry is definitely facing challenges around cost pressure, cost pressures, transition technologies. And so what we, what we call ourselves is really an on-ramp. We, we allow our customers, we invest in innovation in those four areas as a way for our clients to get access to innovative and disruptive technologies. And we invest in it so that they can, um, they can use it. And so that's, that's really sort of the core of our, our strategy is really around solving problems on behalf of our clients, first and foremost. And then second, how do we take the technologies um, that are at play and then how do we apply it? And so, you know, when, when we think about something like blockchain, which is really exciting, um, at the end of the day, blockchain is just a technology and it's not overly complicated. Um, really the value that that you find in a technology like blockchain is is the networks around it right how do you sort of establish networks how do you get participants onto a platform how are they using it and how are they using that technology to transform um, the way business is conducted you know an analogy that i could use is facebook right and so facebook the underlying technology and platform around Facebook is it probably is not overly complicated. It really is the fact that you have however many millions of you, hundreds of millions of users on the platform that makes it so powerful, right? And so um, technology, not that complicated. Getting the network, getting the users on is, is much more powerful. And that's kind of how we think about our space in financial services, which is we are the center of networks around those three key franchises that I talked about. And, um, and so how do we sort of take that um, and apply and utilize blockchain in a way to solve problems on, on behalf of our, our clients? And so that's, it's really exciting. It's really exciting for us um, because of the unique, um, the unique position that we play in terms of 
being at the center of these networks and sort of using blockchain, which is really a, is a perfect technology use case when you think about our positioning and, and where we sit with respect to our clients. Yeah, and that ties back with the, the range of services um, Broadridge provides to the financial services industry and also the depth at which it provides. Um, we'd like to go deeper into one particular use case. Um, so we heard that Broadridge secured a patent for proxy processing and repo agreements. Um, uh -huh. just so that it's more clearer and crystallized to our audience, could you elaborate on what this patent would be about and broadly what the use case is about and how do you see uh, value being generated for the financial services company using this platform? I know you already did a, a proof of concept of pilot or pilot on it uh, using the Quorum blockchain, but just would love to dig a little deeper and understand um, what were the key challenges when you approached it, um, specifically to this use case and um, how you went around it. Absolutely. So let me talk a little bit about um, the problem that we're trying to solve. And so as, as I talked about proxy and proxy communications and thinking about, and this is really, I, I need to draw the distinction between um, US proxy versus global proxy. And in, in the global proxy market, you have um, custodians and then you have sub, you have sub custodians and, um, and then you have the, the people who own the shares and it's it's a complicated web of ownership um, between intermediaries, and then you have the issuers, right? The issuers are the companies that are actually um, holding the votes, and so um, and so and then the vote is conducted in, at an annual general meeting, and so how do you take that process, and how do you make it in a way where um, if there's an agenda item that needs to be voted on, if you think about the various chains um, and links that it has to go from issuer through to a custodian to a sub-custodian, ultimately to the, the end uh, registrant, the person who's voting, um, how, how can you use technology in a way to, to streamline the process to make sure that the information um, flows through? And also, you got to think about, you know, is the person has an entitlement, and what they, we mean by that is, does the person actually have the right to vote? And how many shares does that person have the right to vote with, right? So there are a lot of things that that are in play when you think about, you know, I'm a shareholder of Apple and I need to vote on those shares. And I want to make sure that all those votes are tabulated in a way where it's transparent, where it's efficient, and it happens on a timely basis. And so that's kind of the and in the in the global proxy arena, like I said, it, it's it's somewhat complicated in terms of how that works. And so what we did was we conducted an annual general meeting for a company. It's a Spanish bank called Santander. And what we did was we were able to accomplish a pilot um, two years in a row now. And what we did was we essentially did the whole sort of what we call end-to-end -end -end process of voting um, from the beginning, which is how you create an agenda. And that's what we call the golden agenda, but really that's the agenda upon which people vote upon. And that is a single source of truth. Um, no changes in, in terms, no no question marks as to you know what agenda item is or is not on it. And then keeping everybody on the chain in a way to make sure that voting happens um, in a way where you can tabulate and you can confirm 
um, you know, people who have, have the right to vote and how many, like I said, how many people can vote. And so we put that all on the chain and we've conducted a way uh, and we've successfully successfully conducted it. So that's that's really exciting. Um, it's exciting because in in the blockchain space, there are a lot of new and cool and innovative use cases. We're really excited about um, not just talking about it, but actually doing it with real partners. Um, and so that's that's kind of one thing that's exciting. And the second thing is that we've we've also been able to actually see the benefits, right? And so you sort of hear about you know all the cool um, innovative ways in, the, in, in, in which blockchain can actually change um, the way certain processes happen, and we've done it, and we've seen it real time. And so um, when you see it, when you see it up close and personal, you that's that's when you sort of walk away and think about the transformative impact that a technology like this can really have. And so, sorry, and I'll, I'll answer your question around around the patent. And so. So we did we did put a patent and we we did receive a patent on um, on the proxy uh, on the proxy uh, solution. Um, I, I should also draw this, this, this distinction that this is for private permissioned DLT um, proxy experiences around um, around the. Uh, um, the proxy process, and so what we had done was we were, we we got this patent, and um, it's just an exciting it's an exciting thing because you sort of invest a lot of time and energy and and research and development, and um, and this is this is sort of a proof point that we've actually made some good progress and and we've actually um, been able to to demonstrate some some a creation of intellectual property around that progress. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so a follow-up question on this is, um, you mentioned there have been two rounds of trials um, already on this particular use case. Um, you'd be curious to know, like, when, when you discuss with your partners on this project, what were the key themes which emerged to showcase blockchain being a better alternative to the current method of stockholder voting, especially because blockchain is one of the leaders and kind of providing the the services around that. Um, so, what was those? What were those key themes which convinced your ecosystem partners to like do the second trial and hopefully, probably looking at uh, using it in the production environment? Absolutely. It's it's what I talked about before, but it really is if you think about the key benefits that you get from using the blockchain technology. It's around record keeping, it's around value transfer and smart contracts. And so for rec record keeping, um, it, you know, you again, this, these are things that we were able to see, you know, up close as, as a result of um, the two pilots that we conducted, but it's it's using the, the ledger as a way to have a central, no central intermediary, having a single source of truth. Um, and so if you think about the manual process of um, having to reconcile um, information, if it was paper-based or some other form, versus sort of having this this central database um, on the blockchain or using the blockchain. That's one thing. Um, the second is is value transfer, which is um, and cer certainly in the in the proxy process, what this means is um, the vote that you make is the vote that is recorded, and the vote that you are entitled to is the one that is counted, and it's 
it's it's crystal clear um, as to how many you're entitled to and how many you vote, and that is an immutable um, historical record of information. And so, if somebody sort of has to go back and look to make sure that you know person A or person B um, was entitled to those votes, you can actually see that. And so that's the second thing. And then the third is is around smart contracts. And this is a little bit more around bilateral repo, but this is really sort of this it's the same concept, which is um, can you put contract conditions um, on the blockchain in a way um, that doesn't require human intervention, but really um, does does drive um, transparency um, around business transactions. And so those are the three benefits. Those are the things that we've seen through our global proxy, as well as our you know our other use cases um, and the benefits that we see um, through blockchain. That's really interesting. Um, and if I could take a step back here, yeah. um, looking broadly at the financial services uh, industry, um, one of the one of the key themes this year has been around STOs or security token offerings. Um, which is kind of like imagining if the shares or the bonds were directly issued on a blockchain as a token. And I know JP Morgan's Quorum platform has Zcash platform and Constellation layer, which kind of facilitates that if it's uh, if it's something which the use case demands. Um, we'd love to learn more about, do you, do you envision a world where securities could be offered directly on the blockchain? And how would that impact the financial services industry and more specifically the financial services solution space like things like proxy voting and settlement and all the back office works which uh, work which goes after a trade has happened so i love your question and i think what you're getting to um, really sort of touches upon some of the key um, some of the key trends in financial services technology and and sort of dlt adoption but also some of the challenges as well so maybe, you know, why don't I talk through some of the things that I'm seeing in the industry yeah. um, that, that will address that. And, you know, the first thing is around, um, and I, I, I referred to this a little bit before, which is you are seeing um, certainly a lot of announcements. You're seeing investments that are being made and you're seeing entities, certainly in the financial services sector, that are spending time and energy and, and resources to be um, really to um, develop blockchain solutions. And so I'll just, I'm gonna just throw out some stats here, right? So when you when you think about financial services, you know, one of the things that we've seen certainly, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cite Greenwich Associates, they did a survey and what they found was that DLT initiatives, um, the budgets have increased both, you know, on a on a full-time employee basis as well as actual dollar amounts. And so they had I can't remember how many how many entities that they had surveyed, but certainly um, um, the, the respondents it went from 16 FTE to 32 FTEs, and um, in terms of and this is over the past year, right? And then if you, if you look at sort of budgets increased from 2.2.1 million to 3.5 million, and so you're certainly seeing increased interest and increased resources that are allocated to this. But what that really gets, so that, that's one thing, which is you're, you're definitely seeing tr macro trends of, of greater investment. However, the challenges that people are seeing are a couple fold, right? And one of them really is related to, um, and, so, and, and so what you're seeing is even though um, you're getting greater budgets that are, that are allocated to this, 
you have 64% um, of the respondents had developed one or more POCs, but then sort of the, the gap really is how do you get from a, a proof of concept to a production level solution? And so you, you, you jump from, or you drop from a 64% participation of entities that are developing POCs to only 14% of entities that have some sort of use case that is live in production. And so, you know, talking a little bit about some of the issues that are out there, the biggest issue is hiring skilled technologists. And so, and I, I think you could, this is a very natural thing, which is there's a hot technology, there's, you know, increased demand for technologists that can code and develop and support blockchain, but it takes a couple of years, you know, in terms of getting people up to speed. And so there's a little bit of a mismatch there. And obviously over time that will stabilize, but certainly the, the top issue in terms of getting getting to production is around hiring skilled technologists. Um, there are a couple other things. There's regulatory implications. And I think this is this is a big question mark that's out there around having a regulatory framework, having standards that need to be established, right? You have diff different, different jurisdictions, whether it's the US or in Europe, you have different countries, different entities um, where um, you have privacy concerns, you have um, other types of regulatory issues, data, um, data sovereignty, um, and capital markets requirements, all of these things that are really um, raising question marks around um, regulatory implications. And so that's, that's a, the second thing I'll say. The third thing is around scalability, which is you have these use cases, and then how do you sort of get it production ready to, to really transact, um, trans, do DLT transactions at a much higher rate and volume. And so when you, to answer your question, this, this gets to your question, which is really, um, there are a lot of challenges out there before you can even talk about um, tokenization. But it, that is, by the way, but that is something that is that is clearly a trend, and that's something that people are moving to. But before we get there, there's still a whole bunch of hurdles around technologists, around regulatory, around the, around the technology itself, and getting it scalable um, before we get to the question that that you raised. That makes sense. Um, there's also a lot of I've seen two sides um, of the discussion here, uh, where one side is saying the technology is not the bottleneck, it's the issues like legal frameworks and governance and network. And I think you mentioned that also, is that's mm -hmm. the biggest bottleneck for adoption. Uh, whereas the, there's the other side which says, no, it's, it's probably a chicken and egg problem. There's no scalability, there's no throughput, there is no privacy um, feature embedded for any enterprise grade use case. So we'd love to get your uh, views on how how do you see, given the range of projects which uh, which you might be overseeing already, uh, with some of the biggest companies in the world, um, is it a mix of both? Is it or do you think technology is not really the issue? It's really the governance and logistics and being able to spin a network on. It's a little bit of both, <laughs> and it's everything that I just described, right? Which is, uh, you know, I think I think certainly, you know, when I talk about scalability, that does get to the the technology component. Um, but then there are the other things like regulatory, like business, like the business issues, like getting the network, um, you know, the network participants. And like you said, um, which is which is right on with respect to chicken and egg, which is, you know, how do you sort of develop a regulatory framework when, when you really haven't sort of developed a robust use case, right? And then, you know, how do you get, or on the other hand, how do you develop a network and how do you get people on um, if you don't have, if you haven't proven that the solution is scalable 
to a larger um, group of entities. And so there, there clearly is, it's a little bit of a mix of both. It's certainly a little bit of a chicken and the egg. And, um, and those are kind of challenges and certainly regulatory, you know, you see um, regulators uh, largely uh, taking a watch and see approach um, and, and really haven't sort of come down and made any clear um, indications one way or the other. And so um, I do think that once sort of the regulatory slash legal consensus um, sort of is, is, is formed um, around uh, some of the regulatory frameworks, I do think that, that that clarity will will provide a fundamental change to the industry. And so it's just, it, it is, but it, again, it's, it's sort of like how you've got to solve one or the other first and foremost. And then uh, once you sort of get past the regulatory, I do think a regulatory front is, is a big question mark. And once you get past that, that will provide a little bit of clarity, sorry, quite a bit of clarity around moving forward. It makes sense. Um, changing gears a little, question for you is around uh, acquisitions and partnerships. Um, so the broader CEO mentioned that uh, the strategy is to invest organically as well as through leading innovators in this space. And I think it was bucketed into three segments of building things in-house, acquiring technology, um, as well as co-developing technology. Um, so what, what advice do you give to entrepreneurs in this space who are trying to use technology, especially, especially in the context of uh, financial services? Um, and more broadly, um, as a person who leads kind of partnerships and acquisitions, what would you like to see more of? And what would you like to see less of in the ecosystem? Great. So I, th I think our, so our approach um, is, is the approach that, I, that was the advice that I would give, which is the first and first and foremost, the way that you have to attack um, any sort of business problem is actually to define it, right? And so it's, it's not about leading first with blockchain. It's not about leading first with a technology solution. And it's certainly not about um, taking some sort of um, solution, uh, sorry, some technology platform and trying to shoehorn it into um, a problem. It really is first and foremost, what is the business problem that you're trying to solve? So you need you need to defi define that first, right? And um, and that's something that certainly from a uh, from Broadridge's perspective, that's kind of how we how we think about it, and we think about the the pain point um, that a business client might have. And then, um, you know, we, we need to think about whether or not we have the capabilities, are we the best entity to solve that? And so if we, if we see, there are a lot of pain points in the world, uh, but we're, we're certainly not um, capable of answering, uh, to solving all of them. And so we need, we need to think about our capabilities, what we have, and are we the best entity? And then third is then you think about the technology itself, and is the technology the best one that you would apply to solve that, and it might not necessarily be blockchain, right? It can be something else, and um, and so you need to sort of just think about those things, um, and that's that's kind of that's our general approach to how we think about whether or not we want to invest or partner, or um, or or co-innovate with a part with with a partner, um, and and really, you know, I I run strategy, and and I'm going to use the word it has to be strategic um, for us. And so for an entity like ours, um, you know, I, I sort of talked about the strategic areas where we are focused. 
And that is that is that's something that's also important, which is for an entity like ours, and so this may or may not apply to an entrepreneurial an entrepreneur, but is it is it strategic in a way that aligns with the business and our capabilities and the trends and what we see and what we want to accomplish? And does that um, particular investment or partnership um, does that align with with what we're trying to achieve in the long run? And so that's that's kind of our approach. That's how we think about it. And so um, and then you had a second question. Sorry, those. The, what was your second question again? Sorry. So the second question was, uh, what would you like to see more of and less of in the ecosystem? Right. Okay. And then to answer to answer the second question, I think um, it's it's really aligned with what I just said, which is having having entities who are that they're attacking the problem, that they're defining it, they're attacking it, and um, that they have the right resources, um, and that they're not shoehorning it, right? So being honest about the technology, about their capabilities, about the technology um, itself, about the competition, and who else can, can solve the issue, and then um, and really thinking through um, and making sure that they really are solving the business problem and they're the best um, able to do that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, one one last question specifically on the topic here is that um, like there has been so many pilots and POCs um, using DLT or blockchain technologies across platforms like Hyperledger, Ethereum, Quorum, um, Corda. How far do you think we are from actually having a production production level usage of the blockchain technology? I don't have an answer for that. Um, I, what I would say is I know the transformative impact that blockchain has on on business, on businesses, on financial services. We have seen um, we have seen the impact directly in our pilots and the the, the impacts that I have already outlined. Um, the, the when is, a, is an open question mark, but over time, I, I believe that adoption will, will happen and it's going to be something where, you know, you have the network effect, right? And so you have a couple of participants that sort of join in a network and eventually everyone starts to pile in. And I do think it's fairly binary and it's fairly quantum. And once that happens, um, then it'll be very quick and rapid. I don't know when that is the case. I certainly can speak to the things that I do know, which is that we've seen it up front. We're doing it. It's happening. I just don't know the when. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Um, would also, uh, given your breadth of knowledge and expertise in this space, and in the fintech space in general, um, would like to get any any advice you would like to share with the students, MBAs, undergrads across the streams. What would be, like, if you were a student right now, what would be the biggest advice you would give to your fellow student? And are you talking about just career advice, or are you talking about you know pursuing a career that's relevant to technology or blockchain? Um, I'm I'm. Specifically uh, curious on career advice, but also advice related to career in this particular space. 
so um, just give me give me 10 seconds. Let me think about that because I could go on and on. <laughs> um, I can give some so, more context around it. So, so yeah, sure. Club, as I mentioned, there's like 600 plus members, right? Uh, across disciplines, mm -hmm. across undergrad, uh, grad school, MBA, law school, and so on. Um, and a lot of people are actually pursuing this as full-time opportunities, but uh -huh. like based on my expectations, uh, it's lesser than I would have imagined given the amount of buzz and interest in this space. There's a lot, there are a lot of people on the fences. Um, who are still evaluating if it's if it's if it's really the thing, uh, will it survive? Is it a hype and whatnot? Um, so, as a person who has actually like you know dealt with it day in and day out uh, from a strategy M and A acquisitions point of view and driving these pilots, what is the key advice you would give? Is it is it really something which students should actually look at? Is there a career here for students, um, or is it something which is still evolving? It's good mm -hmm. to be knowledgeable. I got about. it. I got it. Yeah. So uh, the way that I would answer your question is I, I want to take blockchain slash DLT out of the equation because it's it's a similar it's a similar answer to the way that we Broadridge sort of apply we we approach whether or not we want to invest in something, right? It's it's not necessarily we're doing it for blockchain's sake. It's because we think that we're best um suited, right, to to be able to tackle the problem. We also think that the technology, whether it's blockchain or something else, is best suited to solve the problem. And so I, I'd say that within that framework, I would think of it first and foremost, um, you know, the problem that whatever company is trying to solve, right? If it's a startup, it's a fintech, it's something innovative, it's something disruptive, are you excited about that problem? And is that is that something that excites you at a high level, right? Maybe the job itself on a day-to-day -day uh, may or may not, um, it, it might not be that you're thinking about that every single day, but, you know, are, are you excited about the mission and you're exciting, excited about the objective, about the problem that this entity is trying to solve within the industry, whatever industry it is, that's first and foremost. The second is similar to my framework before, which is, do you have the, the relevant skills and do you think that you fit in well with whatever the solution that 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 company is trying to solve right and obviously you know everybody has a lot of different skills and so if if there's a need for someone with, with financial capabilities with with technology background with product with sales whatever whatever have you um do you sort of have the skills that fit a need for that entity right and then the third is is around and I, i'm touching about blockchain although the reality is um i wouldn't i wouldn't do something just for blockchain's sake but um, you know, think about blockchain and whether or not that is really the best technology, or if there are other incumbents or other competitors that are out there that are trying to solve that solution, to solve the problem, and and so whether it's blockchain or not, um, it doesn't matter. But does that entity have the right technology platform uh, to solve the issue? And so that's kind of how I think of it. But first and foremost. I do think that um, it's it's extremely important that you're passionate and you're excited about the entity that you're going to, and um, you're really jazzed up about um, the problems that you're trying to solve. And because uh, without that, then um, everything sort of falls to the wayside. Um, but really, I do think you know to my to the second point, just to hone in on that a little bit, it's also about um, being honest with yourself about your 
your strengths and your weaknesses and really taking stock of what you are good at, what you are not. And, um, and then sort of thinking about that. And, you know, in my career, you see, I've certainly seen um, folks who, who um, have made career changes and those career changes where, you know, the, the, the skills are not aligned with the job, right? And so how do you, and then sort of making that turn and then finding that alignment and seeing the career completely skyrocket, right? And so um, that's that's kind of what I'm getting to, which is about being able to sort of have that foresight and honesty about yourself and align that with your skills as well as the needs of a company is is really, really important. So hope that answers your question. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that deep, insightful, as well as candid um, comment. Um, so before I wrap up, um, how can people follow you or Broadridge's amazing work? Any website, Twitter information you would like to share with our listeners? We do issue press releases and about the work that we do. And so there's quite a bit of press around um, not only the press release themselves, but we're in the news quite a bit. And so um, whenever we have some new announcement or so, some new breakthrough, there's usually some um, press that's wrapped around the announcement. And so that's probably the best way um, to, to follow some of the, the, the things that happen and that are coming out of, out of Broadridge. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us. Um, we definitely learned a lot and it's really amazing to, to see one of the mature companies, uh, one of the true in innovators in the fintech space taking on this technology and using it, um, solving real world problems. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Vivek.